0: You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 270. As we get started today, I have to give a shout out to my baby girl, Meredith. This episode is coming out on her 12th birthday. So happy birthday, Mare Mare. We love you and are so honored that God placed you in our lives. You are growing up to be a beautiful young woman of God, and I pray that God will give you an unreasonable desire for his word so that you can have an unsurpassable relationship with him for all of your days on this earth and into eternity. Now, I've been processing some Deep long term hurt lately. It's a conversation I've been having with God and my husband and some close friends. And when you're in a place like that, it's amazing how aware you become of the deep needs in the lives of others as well. And so this week, our song, God Only Knows by For King and Country, not only offers comfort, it leads us to the source of all comfort as revealed in His Word. And I cannot wait to share with you what I've discovered in my study this week and hopefully give you some tools to take this same journey on your own. But first, let's listen. Only knows what you been through. Only knows what they say about you. The bridge of the song for King and Country sings about the lonely and the ashamed. And this reminded me of a verse in the Psalms. In fact, Psalm 25, 16, where David says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. It's that link that led me to study Psalm 25 this week. So I start out by using my favorite bite, my favorite Bible interaction tool exercise, bite for short. It's to read in context. And when reading the Psalms, that's super easy. Just read the entire Psalm. All right, There may be a tweetable, Instagrammable verse in there, but you don't want to stay just in that one verse. You want to dive into the whole thing. And when you get into this Psalm, there are a couple of things that I want to bring to your attention. First of all, this Psalm was written by David, which is good to know. So as you study the Old Testament and learn more about David and then Come back and read the psalm or study the psalm it'll the that link will be um, interesting to you as you study. But next, this psalm was written as an acrostic psalm where each verse in the original language begins with successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet Now if you've ever had to or if you've ever had to try to write a poem this way or tried to write a poem this way you know, come on, harken back to that seventh grade English with me, Uh, you know that sometimes while it may all go together as far as the theme, it may sound a bit disjointed from verse to verse when you try to start a phrase with a particular letter and kind of keep the theme going. So if you feel that it's a little bit more disjointed than some of the other Psalms that you encounter, Now you know why. So the next bite I used was the Bible Interaction Tool exercise of repetition. This is really easy when taking a whole week to study one psalm because psalms are just snack size sections of Scripture. And in our case this week, just just 22 verses. So every morning and every night, I would read through the psalm or let it play. uh, The audio version would play on my phone and just allow it to really sink in. Just read it um, to uh, get the big picture of it, to understand all of the themes. Just let it sink in. Then, when I had some more time to really sit down with a notebook and a pen, I'm not reading it for the first time, and I can then begin to interact with it. Okay, and this is what I've discovered when I did that this week. I had been Approaching this psalm from a very self-centered perspective. I was seeking what it was saying to me first. But that's not how we are to approach scripture. I want to seek God's face before I seek his hand. So what should our starting point be when approaching scripture? God. God first. Now don't worry, we'll get to us later and you'll see how unbelievably insignificant we are compared to him. And I really, really hope that I can convey clearly what I discovered because um, it's, it was pretty amazing. And so as we begin studying this psalm together, uh, I did my reading. I, and for you to repeat this journey, I want you to start with that. But I, I begin with the question of what do I learn about God? in this psalm. I'm looking for his character. I'm looking for his conduct. I'm looking for his concerns. And so I grabbed my paper Bible, my physical Bible, and a pencil. And I actually have a new study Bible. Like the pages are still sticking together. And I decided this is the best time as ever to start marking the thing up. So uh, also, I read an article this week by Mortimer Adler on how to mark up a book. Now, this is not a Christian Perspective. This is really like how to read a book well. And I, I'm going to link to that article in the show notes because he he writes about, it's just like a page and a half. I mean, it's a really short, short article, but it's really worth the read. He writes about reading actively and he asks, why is marking up a book indispensable to reading? First, it keeps you awake, and I don't mean merely conscious, I mean wide awake. In the second place, reading, if it is active, is thinking, and thinking tends to express itself in words, spoken or written. The marked book is usually the thought-through book. Finally, writing helps you remember the thoughts you had or the thoughts the author expressed. Now, Mortimer Adler is talking about writing in a regular book, like a novel or a any kind of book. Okay, so we're taking uh, God's Word, which is a very, very important book to be reading actively. He, he goes on later in the article to say this, The physical act of writing with your own hand brings words and sentences more sharply before your mind and preserves them better in your memory. To set down your reaction to important words and sentences you have read and the questions they have raised in your mind is to preserve those reactions and sharpen those questions. And as I said, our Bibles are the most important books we need to read actively as opposed to passive reading. So don't be afraid to write in your Bible. And perhaps you don't have a Bible with margins wide enough or maybe your Bible has really small print. or you don't have a copy of the version that you want to study in. So another option for you is to copy and paste scripture from an online source to a word processing document like Google Docs or Word or something like that, and make the font whatever size you want, double space it, print it out, make wide margins, and now you have plenty of space to mark up. But what I did this week won't take up a lot of space in your Bible. So I challenge you to go ahead and pull out your Bible and mark it up. All right, so what's the best way to direct your attention toward God first? Remember, that's what we want to do. We want to seek his face before we seek his hand. Well, we're going to mark any reference to him in your Bible. So that's what I did. I took a pencil and I marked a triangle over every reference to God, whether it's his name or a pronoun. So I marked God and Lord, and I also marked you and yours and him and his Whatever it was that was directly referencing God in this psalm. And you might ask, why a triangle? Well, in my mind, it represents the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can choose whatever symbol you want, but it really does work well for me. And then it doesn't make it where you can't read um, the, the words once you mark it. Perhaps you want to choose a color that you can highlight because you don't want to mark over words with a pencil or a pen. And they make Bible highlighters that won't bleed through the pages. That's a really good solution, too. I just didn't have any on me. I had a pencil. And so once you've uh, so just choose something and go with it. But once you've marked all of these references to God, now you see him jumping off of the pages Any reference to I or me just shrinks into the background of our great God. And that is the point of this exercise. Next, I pulled out my moleskin notebook and I wrote down everything that I learn about God from this psalm. It's easy to identify now because I just stop at every marking that I made that referenced him and I started writing down um, what I learned about him. So let's just start with the first few verses. It says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And again, this is Psalm 25. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. All right, so this is verse 1 through 7. What did I learn about God? Well, first of all, He is a trustworthy place for my soul. Um, When it says, I lift up my soul, my study Bible said that that could also be the equivalent of lifting up our desires. So He is a trustworthy place for my soul or my desires. He offers protection from shame. He has ways and paths and truth that belong to Him. He is a teacher. He is the God of my salvation. He is merciful. His love is steadfast and he is mindful of us and he remembers us. So those are just some of the things that jumped out because I marked I marked it and then kind of rewrote it in my own words. Um, Or or listed it out that way. Now, this word steadfast, it says his love is steadfast in verse 7. This word steadfast really jumped out at me. And then I paused at this point to use another bite, uh, which is to consider the opposite. We don't use the word steadfast as a descriptor in our common language, or at least I don't. Uh, I know what it means, but sometimes considering the opposite can help you really ponder something like this. Okay. So I looked up steadfast in my dictionary app on my phone, and then I clicked on thesaurus. You can literally go to thesaurus.com and follow these same steps if you don't have the app. So I scrolled down to the antonyms and This is what I saw. The opposite of steadfast is wavering, untrustworthy, disloyal, and false. And God only knows what you've been through, like our song says. But if this song resonates with you, I'm pretty sure this is the kind of love that has been shown to you. The opposite of steadfast love. Wavering, untrustworthy, disloyal, false. But what are the synonyms of steadfast? Because I don't want to focus on what other people have done to me or or the, the terrible ways they've loved me. I want to focus on the kind of love that God only knows. Well, it's the unswerving, intense, abiding, loyal, unyielding, constant, dependable, and enduring. This is the kind of love our God offers us. This is the kind of love that God only knows. And right here in verses 6 and 7, we discover that this steadfast love isn't new. It says it's it's established. It's an established kind of love. It's The ESV says it is of old. Okay, so let's go back to our psalm. Verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will in- will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. All right, so this is through verse 15. What do I learn about God in these verses? Well, he is good. He is good and upright. He instructs sinners in the way, he leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble in. His way. Now, this really reminds me of the difference between God's ways and my ways. And Isaiah 55 says it this way in verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So he teaches the humble his way, which is not my way. Um, his paths are defined in verse 10. It says that, uh, see, it says all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. So if my feet are not on a path of steadfast love and faithfulness, then I'm probably not heading in the direction that God has chosen for me. Uh, verse 10, he's, he's a covenant and he's got testimonies to keep. He pardons guilt for his name's sake, and he is to be feared revered. He is to be followed. Charles Spurgeon asks, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Let the question provoke self-examination. Gospel privileges are not for every pretender. Wow. We're going to move into the what about us question shortly, but if we want instruction and direction from the Lord, if we want that well-being and legacy that's offered in the next verse, we must be His. We must follow Him. We must revere Him. We must fear Him. And if we are His, we will fear Him. Okay? He instructs us. He, ch- he chooses the way. He offers friendship. And He reveals. Then in the last few verses of the psalm that we haven't yet read together, you're going to read it on your own, right? <laughs> okay. Um, we discover that He will pluck my feet out of the net. He is our refuge and that He redeems us out of our troubles. So what, what does our song say again? It says, God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. God only knows the real you. And there's a kind of love that God only knows. Well, this is the kind of God that we call on. All that we've just discussed. This is the God who knows you and your situation better than you know yourself. Remember that bridge that talks about the lonely and afflicted and our feature verse that says, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Well, that word gracious can be translated to have mercy or to show favor. And I just had to point that out because just a couple of episodes ago, we really studied God's mercy in detail. So I want you to check out episode 268 if you haven't done that yet, but Uh, That just jumped out at me because, again, just to be gracious or just to have mercy really links back to what we studied um, a couple of weeks ago. So let's shift our focus to what David is asking God to do. What is the conduct of God that David is asking for? Because there's some prayers in here. There's some requests of God. And so I want you to pull your Bible back out. And now I want you to go back through the psalm and mark all of the verbs you see. Now, don't fret. There is not going to be a test later if you miss some, okay? There is a method to my madness, so just follow me. But I marked all of the verbs with a double underline in my Bible. And just like before, you can choose another symbol. You can choose anything that you want. You can pick a different color, whatever floats your boat. But once I had done that, then I went back to my notebook and I made two columns on the left-hand side, I wrote God verbs as the header, and on the right side, I wrote my verbs, or God's verbs and my verbs. And basically, at this point, I used the byte of making a list. I just happened to make two lists, side by side. And boy, am I glad I did it this way, because it really gave This eye-opening picture, this visual picture of God's role versus our role. But I'm going to get to that in a minute. At this point, I went back through the psalm, and I I want you to write out all of the phrases with the verbs relating to God and what God does. Okay? So if if you read a verb and you say, well, is that God's verb or is that my verb? Just say, well, who's it talking about? Right? You can just read that verse. So they all, all of these jump out at you because you've marked the verbs, right? So you just go to the place where you've marked those verbs and, and do this. Once I had my two columns, this is, this is the picture that came out. I realized that my role is about a quarter of the thing and God's role took up practically an entire page. All of the verbs that God were assigned, uh, attributed to God were this big long column and the, the verbs that were attributed to me was a very short column. And as a brief picture of something, I really want you to try this yourself. That's why I'm kind of staying a little bit vague, but it's God's role. I'm just going to give you a a few highlights, okay? It's God's role to make us know his ways. It's God's role to teach us his truths. It's God's role to remember us, to consider our afflictions, to instruct us, lead us, guard us, deliver us, redeem us, and more and more and more. And what is our role? Trust, wait, fear, abide, take refuge, and keep his covenant. So what's my big takeaway from all my time in God's word this week? Sometimes I spend all my energy and effort despairing the wantonly treacherous people in my life. Or the tragedy, or the heartache, or the abuse. And I can. I can spend time in that. I'm not saying to ignore that. I can process all. All of these things, but I need to put it all under the umbrella of God's authority and protection. Knowing that God knows and has a path and truths and a promise for me to walk in. My response to him is small. Trust, wait, fear, abide, take refuge, and keep his covenant. He takes upon himself all of the rest. And you may be lonely and afflicted, but you are not alone. And let me end with David's fervent prayer as my own. In verse 16, he says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. So, what's next? Well, I want you to read Psalm 25 repeatedly this week. And then, when you have a little bit of extra time, I want you to take the time to interact with the Psalm. Mark all of the references to God. Then make notes in a notebook or in the margins of what you learn about God through the words of this psalm. Next, mark all of the verbs and then make a list of the God verbs in one column and a list of the me verbs in another column. And then observe through this exercise all that God takes on himself while our role is merely to trust and wait and fear and abide, take refuge and keep his covenant. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat or Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Jean from North Carolina, Denise from Texas, and Jolie from Indiana. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a really great place to start. And uh, subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to Michelleneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for my podcast yet? This really encourages me. It does, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. And, of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. We are also on Joy 103.1 every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song Build My Life by Pat Barrett. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to MichelleNizat.com forward slash 270. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.